And I'm going to use four different words to navigate us through today's message. First of all, distribution, motivation, covering, and discovery. So let's dive straight into distribution. My first point on distribution is that all get. Now, Paul emphasizes this in many different ways. I'm just going to use two of them. The first one, as you can see in today's uh, chapter that we're studying, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, he says, Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. In other words, everybody gets some sort of manifestation of the Spirit in the form of a spiritual gift. And then he goes on later on in in verses 12 to 31 to say that in many ways, the church of God, Harvest Church, is like a human body. And now in a human body, you get lots of different members, fingers, ears, nose, mouth, and all of these things are differentiated from one another by their function and by their appearance. And he says that in the body of Christ, the way that one member is differentiated from another is on the basis of what gifts they receive. So we each receive different gifts and uh, we we each have a different purpose and, and different abilities and it's that that differentiates us. So how could we say that we don't receive a spiritual gift in that case? Because it's the gifts themselves that actually equip us and differentiate us from other members in the body. So that's the first point that all get. The second point that I'd like to use on distribution is that no one gift is for all. In verses um, 8 to 11, you can see a formula that that Paul uses. I'm going to try and read it to you here. I've just realized that I don't have my glasses, um, so I might have to hold this quite far away. Um, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I'm reading in verse 7. Um, To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. And then he starts saying, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. To another, healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. What's he doing here? He's emphasizing the fact that it's no one gift for everybody. This person gets one thing, that person gets another thing. Can you see that? The third point is that no one person has all of the gifts. And the way that he emphasizes this in, um, in this passage is that in verses 29 to 30, he asks a whole series of rhetorical questions, and the answer is no. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. No one person gets all of the gifts. And this is by God's design. And the reason why he does it is so that we can depend on one another. In Christianity, the the flavor of Christianity is not independence, it's not dependence, but it's interdependence. We need one another. If I'm sick and someone else has the gift of healing, it's a gift in their hands to pass on to me. It's what God is doing. It's a gift from God through people to me. And so I need that person with the gift of healing. If I had all of the gifts, then I wouldn't need you guys. And so God has designed it so that we are interdependent. Then the the fourth point is that the distribution is by the Spirit. All of these, in verse 11, you can see it there, all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. 
And I think we're inclined to get a little bit unstuck because we, we think that we can cherry pick the gifts, that we get to decide which gift we want. And usually the mistake that we make is that we believe that in some way, because that some of the gifts are more important than the others. And it's true to say that some of them are more conspicuous than others, but that doesn't mean that they're more important. And Paul takes great pains to stress this truth in verses 21 to 26 using the body analogy. Um, he, he basically says, listen, if your little toe is hurting, the whole body is going to know about it. We need every member in the body. Every member is important. Let's never forget, folks, that the gifts are gifts. And that's to say that they're not earned, which means that your gift is not a reflection of your importance or your effort or your value. It's hugely tempting for some people to go for the power gifts like healing or prophecy because we think that it'll make us look impressive. And then on the other side of the coin, we've got people who would much rather not have conspicuous gifts because they're the kind of people who want to retire into the background. The bottom line is, folks, it's not about us. God gets to decide. The Holy Spirit decides which gift we're going to get. So, concerning the distribution of the gifts, all get, no one gift is for everybody. No one Christian has all the gifts. Uh, the Spirit decides who gets which, and all the gifts are equally important. So that's the distribution. What about the motivation? Um, I mentioned earlier that it's easy for us to desire the gifts for the wrong reasons, maybe to give us a sense of importance or value. And you know, even the Christ followers who interacted with Jesus were tempted to make this mistake. Let's read this together. 72 returned with joy and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And then Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. These guys were really pumped because they were driving out demons. They had authority to drive out demons and they were very excited about that. But Jesus says, ah, the only reason why you got that authority is because I gave it to you. This was not about them getting to look great. It was about them getting the Lord Jesus to look great. And so Jesus puts them in their place. And he says, you know, you're not the impressive ones. I'm the impressive one. Because I've been around for eons. I was there when Satan was cast out of heaven. And I was the one who commanded it to happen. And that same authority I'm giving to you. So don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so folks, we need to make sure that we get our motivation right. And I'd like to, to give three things that should motivate us as we seek the, to the, seek the gifts, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, and as we use them. The first one is love. 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14, the, the passage that we're looking today, contains instruction about the gifts of the Spirit. But right at the center of this, very intentionally, Paul inserts a teaching about love. 
And he does this to remind us that in our seeking and in our use of the gifts, we are to be motivated by love. And there isn't time to go into chapter 13 today. But basically what he says is you will achieve nothing, um, you will be nothing, and you will gain nothing if you seek to use the gifts without the motivation of love. So let's take the, the expression of that love now. Remember the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's two dimensions to this love. Love for man is expressed by a desire to build other people up. And so in verse 7 he says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then again, in Ephesians 4, verse 11, he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. What was the purpose of all of this? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Folks, we need to dwell on this for a moment because it's really important, it's crucial. The whole reason why God has given you a spiritual gift is so that us, the body of Christ, can be built up. And if you are not eagerly desiring the gifts, and if I'm not eagerly desiring the gifts, then the body is gonna suffer for it. Look at what the ultimate goal is so that we would become mature. Folks, Harari and Zimbabwe needs a mature church. We need to be mature Christians. We need to be Christians who are operating in the supernatural gifts of the Spirit if we are to be Christ to the nation. We desperately need this. And so if you're holding on and um, you're, you're, you're holding back in whatever reason, um, don't do it. <laughs> because I need you and you need me and we need one another to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So that's the um, uh, outward dimension of the love to loving others. What about love that is, is expressed um, as a desire to make God look great? Have a look at this passage. The end of all things is near. So that's a, the, a conclusion that he's come to. What inference does he draw from that conclusion? Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Then he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So now he's starting to talk about that outward dimension of love, loving one another. How do we love one another? He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the way that we express love for one another is by serving them with the spiritual gifts that we have. And it builds people up. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God, referring to a teaching gift. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. You need strength to serve people and to serve the body of Christ. Look at the purpose of it all. So as we exercise the gifts 
to love others, look at the ultimate result, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? We do this to make God look great. And in the process, we build up one another. Let's move on now from the distribution and the motivation to the covering of the gifts. All spiritual gifts need to be accountable to leadership. Yeah, if you look in 1 Corinthians 14, I think we'll probably move on to this next week. Uh, but just broadly, Paul talks about the need for the spiritual gifts to be used, uh, quote, decently and in order. And one of the roles of leadership is ensuring that this happens. And Paul goes on to command those with spiritual gifts to acknowledge leadership's teaching and authority. If anybody thinks he's a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. In other words, he's talking to, the, to, the, to people with spiritual gifts, all of us, and he's saying, be submitted to leadership. You're gonna be submitted to me and the way that I teach about this. And in our time, the way um, we as a leadership choose to, to apply these things that will provide covering. And then I love Hebrews 13, verse 17. And incidentally, I'm not bringing this up because I've sensed any problem in, in harvest. It's been an absolute delight, Craig. I'm sure you would agree with me. And the elders being um, leadership over this church. But look what it says. Have confidence in your leaders. And I would like to submit to you today, um, and I, I don't sense that this is happening, but I just put it out there. If you, if you don't have confidence in your leaders, in the church that you are, then I would suggest that you go and find a church where you can have confidence in your leaders. It's not healthy for you to be under, under the covering of people that you don't have confidence in. So um, it's a spiritual thing. Just ask, ask God, can I put my confidence in these, in these people to lead me? Um, and get that sense and assurance from the Holy Spirit. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Not as those who lord it over you, but as those who will give an account to God one day of the way in which they've led you. Do this so that their work will be a joy. And I have to say that my work is a joy. And I know Craig would back me up on that. Um, do this so that your work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And so I'm, I'm suspecting, I still need to chat to Craig about it, that next week we'll look in a little bit more detail as to how we order the use of the gifts in the service based on the principles that Paul gives us in chapter 14 and what that's going to look like in our context here um, at Harvest. So we've discussed the distribution, the motivation, and the covering of the gifts. And what I'd like to do now is to finish off by talking about how to discover the gifts for yourself. And I think this is so crucial, and this is the thing that we really want to focus on as being um, of great importance today. How do I eagerly desire the gifts? If Paul instructs me to do that, as he does, how do I go about it? How do I eagerly desire these gifts? And I know that um, both Craig and Trevor, and I'll refer you to their sermons, have uh, covered this. They've um, answered this question from different angles. I'm going to add my 10 cents worth as well. 
and I'm going to be using four words. First of all, enjoy. <laughs> the gifts of the Spirit that God gives to you are usually those things that you enjoy doing and that make you feel fulfilled. It's what God made you to do. So when you're doing it, you just have a sense of being in God's sweet spot. But this isn't always the case. If, um, if you think that you have, for example, the gift of teaching and only your mother thinks that you're an amazing teacher, then maybe you need to think again. <laughs> um, and I think we've all come across that, isn't it? Um, so, things that we enjoy. Next of all, ask. Ask other people what they think your gifts are, especially experienced Christian leaders. And ask God for particular gifts. Now, I do this often on a Sunday morning when I'm preparing, just praying outside for the service. I say, Father God, please give me words of knowledge. Please give me words of prophecy. Please equip me with the power of your Holy Spirit to do the work that I have to do today. And I would encourage you to prepare yourself before the service like that as well. And, and start to, to eagerly desire because God's not going to give us something unless we want it. And if we don't want it, or we're not aware of the fact that he gives us things, then when he does, we may well miss it. And that, of course, would be a tragedy, because the rest of the body would be blessed if we picked up on it. So ask. And I just like what Bill Heibel says there. He says, the true and final test of your spiritual gift is through the affirmation of the body of Christ. This is a great helper. Um, if, you, if people are blessed by what you do, um, they're encouraged by it, they're built up, people see it in you, then there's a good chance you have it, even if you don't necessarily see it in yourself. So ask. The next one is serve. Remember, Paul was, was saying that in Ephesians, he said that, uh, sorry, in one, it was Peter who was saying it in 1 Peter. He said, you know, uh, Jesus is about to come back Therefore, serve one another with your gifts. That's how you show people love. And it's exactly the same here. We, we need to just get out there and start doing things. And then as time goes on, we'll start to discover uh, what it is that we've been gifted by God to do. And then the last one is to study. Now, there are about five passages in the Bible, we'll just have a look at them very quickly, that list the gifts of the Spirit. And so it's very helpful to know what those gifts are, because you're not going to be desiring something if you don't know what it is, and you won't know that God is giving you something if you don't know what it is and you don't know what to look for. So I would, I would just jot down um, these scripture references. Uh, we'll also send them out during the week as well. But first of all, in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10, that's the passage that we've been looking at today. It's going to take time to explain what those different gifts are. But at the moment, as part of the process, all we're doing is just listing them. A message of wisdom, a message of knowledge, healing, faith, miraculous powers, distinguishing between spirits, prophecy, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, some of these lists you get repetition as well. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administrating. That's an interesting one. I think that, that uh, God wants to give the gift of administration to many of our business leaders here. Because 
This is not about secretarial work, administration. This is about being able to structure and organize your business or your church in order to achieve the vision and the goals that God has given you for it. It's an amazing gift. Different kinds of tongues. You go on to the next one. Romans. Prophesying, serving. Do you know that there is a, a spiritual gift of being able to serve people? And usually the sign that that serving is being operated in a supernatural way, um, in other words a gift, is that it builds people up and it glorifies God. So there's just a knack to the way of serving that achieves a spiritual end to that serving. It's wonderful. Serving, teaching, encourage. There's another wonderful one. Wouldn't we want to have that gift of encouragement? Wouldn't that make such a difference in your workplace? Wouldn't that point people to an, an invisible God who is just amazing? Giving. Showing mercy. That's what these people who, who organized what Craig was showing. They've been operating in the gift of mercy this week. Um, 1 Peter 4, 9 to 11, hospitality, um, speaking, and I, th I think that refers to teaching. Um, serving comes up once again, and then last of all in Ephesians. These are not so much um, gifts as specific offices in the church. So you get people with an apostolic, gifting, prophetic, evangel evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching. And they'll often have a, a suite of gifts that will enable them to do that task. So, for example, as a pastor, most likely to, to end up with words of knowledge, uh, words of wisdom, the gift of encouragement, different things as God supplies them to you to be a good pastor. So that's the first thing, is to establish a list. But it doesn't end with the list. We need to move on to define each gift and to figure out how it is used or how it works. And so for the purposes of illustration this morning, I'm going to use the message of knowledge, the gift of knowledge. So if I was trying to figure out what the gift of knowledge was, um, I would try and look for examples, biblical examples, of the gift of knowledge. So can anyone think of any examples of a gift of knowledge in the Bible? The one that sprung to my mind was the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, they were part of the early church. At that time, people were selling their land so that they could bring the money to the apostles in order to meet the needs of the body. So Ananias and Sapphira, without telling anybody, in secret, they agreed that they would sell their property, keep part of it, give the rest to the church, which was fine, it was their money after all, but they lied to the apostles, they lied to Peter, and he said, is this all of the money? And they said, yes, it is. So they lied. And this is what happened. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have lied, just, you have not lied just to human beings, but to God. And so that's an example of the gift of knowledge. How could Peter have, how could anybody have known that other than Ananias and Sapphira? Because they agreed in secret to do it. And so then once you've looked at some of the biblical examples, 
it's a bit of detective work, then you come up with a definition. So the gift of knowledge doesn't refer to someone who has gathered a lot of knowledge and experience in a particular subject through study and just life experience. That's not what it is. When God gives a message of knowledge, he tells a person something that he could never have known without God telling him it. So that's now we start to get a sense of what the gift of knowledge is. So as you start to study in this way, it'll become apparent to you whether God has given you that gift before without you even having realized it. I can remember having a conversation uh, with a certain plumber. Um, we won't mention his name, will we, Kevin? <laughs> Kevin was trying to solve, uh, just to show you how these gifts work in the workplace, he was trying to solve a particular plumbing problem. And one of the challenges they face, these plumbers face, is that pipes are underground, they can't see them. And God gave him a specific word of knowledge to solve the problem. And he was, he was um, busy chatting to me about it, and it, it built me up. It glorified God, and I'm sure that he also would have mentioned to his client, you know, I had no idea how I was going to fix this. It might sound strange, but God told me, and, and this is what I did. The gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, how to apply knowledge. Um, I, I used to work with an elderly guy called Bill Wilde, and what was so wonderful about Bill was that he got saved in his 80s. It was, it was such a delight. Now, Bill Wilde started his engineering career as a surveyor after the D-Day landings. So he went in with the engineers and he was surveying Normandy, France, using a method called plane tables. And then by the time I met him, he'd already been an engineer, let alone alive, for 50 years. He eventually became the Secretary for Water Development here in, um, in Zimbabwe. And then one day as a young engineer, I walked into his office and he was busy designing a dam. This was his speciality. And what was, am what was amazing was he was sitting there and he had tears streaming down his eyes. Um, and I, he obviously realized that I was a bit curious. And he said, Ian, you know, I just can't believe how wonderful it is being a Christian. He says, I've just been working on this design and God has given me specific knowledge and wisdom to know how to solve this engineering problem. And he says, and I've been going for 50 years without having that. This is so wonderful. Yeah. You know, and it's so honoring and glorifying to God. This isn't, this isn't something about just the church. It's about out there in the workplace because that's where we're called to be the church. That's where we're called to be the body of Christ. And so you, you, you come up with a definition um, and then you start to think about, well, have there been experiences that I've had where I've exercised this uh, special message of knowledge from God? And, and then you start chatting to other people and finding out how it worked for them. So let, let me give you another example. And one of my friends, a, a close friend, was the, the subject of a, a civil lawsuit. So someone was suing him for something that had happened in business. And the whole thrust of this thing was incredibly unfair and unjust. But nevertheless, the, 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 the charges had been brought. And it was causing a lot of distress for this guy and his, and his um, wife and family. Um, and so I was spending some time praying about it. And while I was praying, I was just, wow, man, this guy is really under siege. 
And the way God works with me, and he will work with you in a different way, but I just put it out there so that you, you get some sense of it. The way God works with me is I, I use that word siege, and immediately I remembered going to visit Masada. Now, Masada was a, an ancient fortress in Israel. It's still there today on a massive, massive mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And a whole lot of Jews ended up holed up there. Um, they were being besieged by the Romans. And while we were there, we could actually see the ramp that the Romans had built 2,000 years ago coming up the side. And they, they dragged up a siege tower so that they could get over the, the top of the, the wall. And so I remember that. But then God did an interesting thing because he gave me a mental picture. Um, it wasn't a visual picture, but a mental picture of the siege tower catching a light. And then I could see my friend walking around in amongst the ashes of, this, of the siege tower. And he was kicking through the ashes like this. And there wasn't even anything solid enough to stub his toe on. <laughs> And so I was like, thank you, Lord. In other words, this is not going to happen. This, this siege that the, the, the guy is under is not going to prevail. And so he immediately got onto WhatsApp and I said, you know, this is, this is the picture that I got. Um, this is what God is saying. I had a, a, a gift of faith. I, mean, I believe that's a gift as well. Um, it's a gift of faith that this is not going to happen. In the end, he's just going to be walking around through the ashes of this assault. And he's not even going to find anything big enough to stub his toe and so that was how it worked for me but I know that peop other people get it in different ways I was reading a, a book by Jack Deere surprised by the voice of God he had this incredibly um, gifted and dedicated student on, in his faculty. This young man came into his office, and while, Jack's, whilst Jack Deere was talking to him, he suddenly started seeing um, the words pornography flashing. As he was looking at this guy, he could see the words pornography flashing. Um, and he realized that this young man would never, ever have admitted to this problem because it would have destroyed him and uh, his calling to be a minister. Um, but God was giving Jack Deere the knowledge, and that was how it happened. And um, so he was able to, to very, very gently confront the guy, say, look, I believe God has told me this because he wants to heal you, he wants to restore you, he wants you to carry on, you're going to be an amazing pastor, but you cannot be an amazing pastor with this. So can you see? Gift of knowledge, supernatural. And that was how it happened on that occasion. So we learn from our own experience and we learn from the experiences of others. What I'm going to do uh, this week is, is send out some summaries of the different gifts of the Spirit um, because different people have done this work. Um, so at the top, it'll give you a definition of the gift. It'll show you some biblical references of where it was used. Uh, it'll show you some of the pitfalls, some of the weaknesses of people with a particular gift. Um, and I think that that'll help you in your journey of study and discovery. Because we need to do this, folks. <laughs> we need to be a people that long for the gifts of the Spirit, and we need to welcome them into our service and into our daily lives because we want to see a supernatural God doing supernatural things for the people around us. Isn't that right? Yeah. Amen. Shall we pray? The Bible says that faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard in the word about Christ. And uh, I trust and believe that faith has been stirred up in people's hearts today through this message. 
I trust that there is a sense of anticipation and excitement that is building in this body of believers. It started last year and it's going to continue to build. Father, help us to push past any, any, any previous experiences or disappointments because we know that you want to use us. Um, and Father, we, we just want to be equipped to be people who can love others, serve them with our gifts, and also people that will glorify and honor you in a way that is fitting because you are such an amazing God. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.